This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Auto Man, episodes two and three. Walter, you don't know what helpless is till you find yourself out there all alone with no information whatsoever. What kind of information? You're the greatest detective who ever lived. Maybe the greatest brain. Really? What's my sign? What? Miss Fowler said she was a Virgo and it seemed very important to her to know what I was and I didn't know what she was talking about. Well, what do I tell people when they ask me that? What am I? Tell them you're an apple, too. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcasting if you think generating three-dimensional objects with substance is easy. <laughs> I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? What's real this week is something that it's really a question to throw back at you. By 1984, no one was still dancing disco, right? It's a good question. I hadn't even considered that as being a problem of inside of this episode, but... I, I need a disco expert, but I have a feeling by about 1980, 81, disco was already dead. So this this feels dated even for 1984. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> well, maybe there's someone who can answer this question, because we're, we're joined by a guest this week. It's Seth from the Hugo's There podcast and the Take Me To Your Reader podcast. Welcome to the show, Seth. Hey, thanks for having me, you guys. And yes, uh, really what you were trying to say was we're joined by an older guy. <laughs> we're joined by an older guy. <laughs> what, uh, what do you think? Uh, disco dead by now or what? Uh, I think there were some last vet- vestiges of it. And uh, I was telling you guys before we started recording, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. And so, you know, we were at least three, four years behind the time. So probably probably rang quite true to us. <laughs> Up in Anchorage just seemed like dead on the money uh, culture wise. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like, you know. Uh, school outings and birthday parties were still like at roller rinks. And so, you know, who knows? I, th- I feel like roller rinks still exist and are probably very popular. Still, <laughs> I think there's probably a couple. There used to be one uh, near where I live now in Oregon, and it's now a self-storage place. Because, of course, it is. <laughs> I remember going to a roller rink in like 1990, maybe, and when yeah. I was a kid. And it seemed incredibly old and dated at the time you know like those like Mm -hmm. carpets that are worn and smell like cigarettes and it's like is this still a thing so if if they're still around i mean those carpets are threadbare at this point oh yeah (laughs) well throughout the (laughs) pandemic i kept walking past a school near my house with a big like cement pad uh, pad on it and there was always these three women just practicing roller or roller skating all the time on it i was just like "Mm, i guess roller skating's still here (laughs) Literally saw somebody yesterday on on roller skates in a parking lot near us that just got redone. You know what? I I think it's better than rollerblading, so I'm all for it. Yeah, there's a retro thing to it, right? Rollerblading, I don't think it was ever actually cool. But um, just like the the four-wheel roller skates, it's got that nice retro thing going. You figure there should be like ironed hair and a ponytail, (laughs) you know? Now, what you really need is those... um... Those old big headphones that uh, also like was where they were the radio transmitter also. So it had the antenna as well. Mm -hmm. That's a good look. Big time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Seth, since we're talking about Auto Man and uh, it's good to get to get an idea of where each guest comes in with some of these series. And I believe this is a show that has some historical significance to you, as you said, uh, up in in Alaska. So tell tell us about your history with Auto Man. Yeah, I mean, my history with Auto Man is similar to my history with a lot of other 
kind of sci-fi adjacent shows from this era. You know, we, we watched uh, Original Trek in syndication all the time. We watched Buck Rogers as well. Um, and so it was kind of a sci-fi hungry family that I lived in, uh, other than my mom who would just, you know, she would endure what, whatever was on what the, <laughs> the rest the, fi- <laughs> the rest of the five of us were watching. Um, but so we had a lot of these kind of flash in the pan shows come across the airwaves and we'd watch them and then just be like, oh, I guess it's gone now. Um, and uh, I, your guest on the previous episode mentioned Manimal, uh, which was another one that I just, we just loved that one. But Auto Man, you know, I vividly remember going to school and talking about the way the auto car drove, you know, that. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, we watched it in the original run. I was uh, kind of, this goes true with your previous guest as well. I was 11. And so I just absolutely ate it up. Um, I had a younger sister who was nine and then two older sisters who were old enough to just, you know, think that uh, Chuck Wagner was a heartthrob. And so that was good enough for them. Um, I mean, they're right. Chuck I could Edgar ask them what, what else they thought about the show, but I'm pretty sure that was a big factor. Um, but uh, but yeah, we were we were glued to it the entire time. I have virtually no memory of it other than that I had watched it and the auto car and Cursor, of course. I did not remember Cursor's obsession with cleavage. Um, <laughs> he loves it. Probably something that, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the only thing I really remembered was I remembered there was uh, a reference several times to John Travolta dancing, and it's in that that long intro mm-hmm. to each of the episodes. Um, so so I was like, yeah, was that in there? And then, sure enough, first episode, there it is. Yeah, they and every episode you get to be reminded that he can dance like John Travolta and play tennis like uh, and, John. Ma- is no, John Jimmy Ma- Connors? No, Jimmy Connors, yeah. they say. Yep, very much putting a date stamp on it. For sure. And I mean, I, I liked watching these first two episodes because the pilot was interesting, but I didn't quite know how an episode would work afterward. And these yeah. these really lay out. I'm like, oh, now I get a sense of what this show is going to be like. Mm-hmm. It's still strange to me. I mean, kind of going back to the way uh, to your discussion on the, the pilot episode that there wasn't more of an origin story for Auto Man. You know, you, you can envision this that you would have had a full episode, maybe a two parter where the whole first part of it was just the creation of Ottoman. And then after that, you'd have essentially the pilot episode would be like one episode of the show where he already exists. Um, so it was, it was a little weird. Like he just sprang fully formed from Zeus's head in that first episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's an excellent way to describe it. I do like that. They've kept in these, each episode, they give you that little summary of like, here's how Ottoman exists. Just in case you need to know, we know it's weird. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Well, as we mentioned, what's weird about it though, is, the opening credits already essentially do that work for you. They're, even at a yes. nine years old as a kid watching this, a nine-year-old is savvy enough to understand that the computer creates this guy because they explain it all in the credits. And then it's like, you guys didn't get it. All right, here's another two-minute recap right. of, of, of what we're saying. <laughs> okay, you don't get it? Exactly. Well, here's a whole episode that will show explain it to you again. It's like, yes, we get it. He wears a blue costume. It's, it's fine. We get mm-hmm. it. He maybe has powers. Yeah. One thing I need to I need to talk to one of my sisters about is how we actually watch the show because we were big fans of Scarecrow and Mrs. King, which was a kind of a spy uh, comedy at the time. And this Auto Man actually uh, aired opposite it on a different channel, and that was one of the reasons it didn't do very well. And I know that we watched both, and so it must have been in the early days of having a VCR in our home so that we could tape one and watch the other. Oh wow, that would have been very early days for VCRs too. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very early for it. Um, but I actually went back and kind of looked at what are the first movies I remember watching on a VCR. And some of those, I know it was the, the phenomenon of renting a VCR because, of course, a VCR was prohibitively mm. expensive. Um, 
And I think the first one my dad bought was $300 in like 1983. Oof. So that, that was a lot of coin for back then. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we must have taped it because I also looked, I, I looked at like uh, TV movies from the time. Cause I remember we recorded several of those. I was like, okay, it looks like 82 ish was when we got the VCR. Oh, that makes sense then. Yeah. $300 for a VCR. I mean, you get them now for $20 at a yard sale. Yep. Pretty much. Well, yeah, you can get a Blu-ray player for what? $30. Certainly. I, I think I, I think I traded a bottle of wine for one. So. <laughs> <laughs> and not a good bottle yeah. of wine. Absolutely not. I didn't, I didn't remember if you guys mentioned kind of the, well, there's not really a connection, but like I can see some common DNA between Auto Man and Knight Rider, which just came out a couple years later, where you have, you know, oh. a cool car, an AI sidekick. Um, just wondering if this show was a little ahead of its time. To be fair, that's also made by uh, Glenn A. Larson, same same writer, same creator. Right, I forgot He just that. is, he's, yeah. he's cribbing from himself. He's like, yeah, that didn't work, I guess. Mm-hmm. We'll just try that supercar again. Well, what if Auto Man yeah. was the yep. car? <laughs> Tone down the car being horny, but up the guy being horny. <laughs> Definitely, yes. Uh, and not as much disco dancing. Mm-hmm. Though, of course, it had uh, David Hasselhoff in it, so he had to sing a few times. <laughs> that's in his contract. You got If you're going to get him, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like we, we do need to have some mediocre singing in this show. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, shall we get into the first episode? Yeah, which has, by the way, yeah. one of my favorite titles of any show we've watched. The yes. episode's title is fantastic. Here is the IMDb summary for episode two. Staying alive while running a high flash dance fever. That's it. <laughs> when an internet... Oh, sorry, what am I talking about? Yeah, you're reading the, the, the future into this. I am, I am. <laughs> when an informant providing information about the mob's attempt to buy a casino in Las Vegas is kidnapped... Walter and Auto Man probe electronic records and discover the trail leads to an influential judge who happens to be the best friend of the police commissioner. And that, of course, was courtesy of David Bassler. Uh, one comment for David, well, maybe not specifically to David Bassler, is both of these episodes, it's not much of a spoiler seeing as the show came out, you know, 30 years ago. The villains in both these episodes are the mob. Is that what this show is mm-hmm. going to be? Is every episode going to be him, them fighting the mob? It's very odd. <laughs> I also noticed that it was just like a lot of mob talk in this in this show suddenly. Yeah. Also, yep. again, for a spoiler for this episode, the, the plot is casinos might have problem with organized crime. I'm like, what a scoop, everyone! How are we going to crack this? Right. Like, I think we all know. <laughs> it's interesting. This episode starts sort of mid action. Uh, there's not really a lot of lead in, but the detective Curtis, who uh, we've seen in the last episode, and is kind of a side character who is always investigating the same crime, but sort of not necessarily involving auto man but he's always sort of in the background investigating the same crime i also think that actor apparently has to do one big stunt every episode he has to like jump through a window or fall Mm. off a wall or whatever which is odd because he's the oldest person on the show i don't know why they said the old gray hair let's let's drop him off the wall but yes this uh this detective curses curtis is meeting this informant and uh she, she says, it's very weird, I couldn't quite follow, but she's like, I am here to tell you information about a politician who's helping the mob to buy a hotel in Vegas, and she wants like $20,000 for the information. There's sort of This is sort of the setup. She's like, she's got right. this information, she's going to sell it, I guess, to the police to stop the mob from buying. Mm-hmm. Did you catch the name of this uh, this hotel they're trying to buy, by the way? I did not. No, it wasn't. It, it was the most generic name. It's Casino Hotel, and I just kept <laughs> laughing every time they said it. <laughs> 
Very nice. That was uh, uh, illegal in there. Like, guys, you can't call it anything. Like, uh, we'll just keep put put as a placeholder because you know Hotel for now, and and they filmed it. <laughs> yep, pretty much. But of course, as soon as she meets with uh, Detective Curtis, the mob pulls up in cars. They know exactly where she is, and she's kidnapped in front of the detective. Um, but instead of just run down, right? Yeah, instead of just running her down, they they kidnap her right away, and then we cut to um, Wally, who's teamed up with his angry boss captain boyd i guess they're they're <laughs> watching from the car i think the premise is they're using a technology called listening on a microphone to their <laughs> right. uh, to their detective with a wire so wally has to be there for that mm-hmm. um but the mob's speeding off the informant and uh angry captain boyd tells wally to get out of the car and go go call for some backup and he's gonna he's gonna like chase down these cars and of course, Wally, instead of calling the police for backup, gets on the nearest payphone and uses it to call his home modem, which is my favorite part of the show. He's always calling right. his home modem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, while he's uh, trying to do that, you know, conspicuously not really making a call, the offensive pimp stereotype shows up. Yeah. Now, ex- pimp um, stereotype. Exactly. I, I got a weird question about this. So I think it was supposed to be p- played for laughs. But as we kind of mentioned in the previous yeah. podcast... It's become more and more clear. This is really a kid show. And uh, Seth, as you said, like you watched it as a kid. It seems yeah. to have a lot of weird uh, adult elements put into this mm-hmm. kid show. And this is one that I'm assuming we all agree is kind of played for laughs. But I don't really know what the joke is or what the... Because mm-hmm. there's no real point of it. It's wasn't it, Isn't it funny if a pimp shows up and he's got prostitutes with him? Right. Yeah, I I think as an 11-year-old, you know, I would not have picked up on the pimp imagery, right? That's something I'm reading back into it as a 48-year-old. Um, at the time, you know, it would have been just funny because it's a guy with an accent, you know? Mm. Um, and, like, it's, it's a, a joke for white on. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just a, hey, look at the funny non-white guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, doesn't age well. Doesn't age well, and it, I mean it does keep getting worse because uh, you know yeah. the, the man obviously wants to use the phone. And he gets starts getting mad because Wally's clearly like not using it correctly. He's like, right. Well, he keeps insisting he's using the phone, but he's holding it next to his side with a box over it. Yeah. Of course, Auto Man appears, and um, as has been established in the pilot, Auto Man's appearance alone is enough to frighten any person into subservency. So that takes yep. care of him. But the part that's the most insane is when Cursor shows up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cursor shows up, does his standard thing of, of checking out the, the ladies. Yes. The, the three women in the pimp's car, he proceeds to draw dollar signs over top of, which was even <laughs> rude for Cursor. And so rude that I believe Wally says, don't do that, Cursor. It's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, and so at this point, I was just like, the show even understands this is bad. It shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of hanging a lantern on the, um, on the fact that it's a, a pimp, right? Where if he had just like put ten point oh nine point nine something like that, it, it still would have been offensive. But at least it it wouldn't have been what it you was. You make a good point. That's actually a much funnier joke that he came in and he ranked them like at some sort of like uh, uh, Olympics or something like that. That's much funnier than the dollar signs mm-hmm. because I get what the they were going for, but it doesn't even really land as a thing. It's like money. It's like oh yeah. okay. Thanks, Cursor. Thanks for showing up and doing nothing. It's weird, too, because mm-hmm. Cursor, the very little personality he has so far is mostly that he objectifies women. And in this particular case, <laughs> he's not even doing that. He's just drawing attention to the fact that these are probably prostitutes. Like, he's not right, even, yeah. it's just, it's so weird. This show's so weird. Mm-hmm. 
And the other thing um, with the reaction of the pimp to Automan's appearance, he swears off drinking, right? And then you yes. have essentially that joke repeated mm-hmm. in the next episode. Or, or was it still in this one? I can't no, no, remember it, now. It's the next episode. I No, I think it happens at the casino in this episode as well. Someone else swears off drinking in this episode. Yeah, I'm just going to drink at home, he says. That's... That's so funny. Yeah, because it's a guy at the bar when Autobahn show or Curse or someone shows up and the guy swears off drinking at the bar. He's like, I'm only going to go start drinking from home again because when I'm there, I only hallucinate snakes. Snakes, right. <laughs> and I was very concerned for this man's well-being. Mm-hmm. Also, and not, not to be a stickler, but who when they're drunk starts hallucinating? Like I know it's a, it's a joke and like what does it matter? But it's also it doesn't even work as a joke. Right. It is, it, it is, there's some sort of dated idea of like seeing pink elephants, and I'm not mm-hmm. 100% sure where that idea originally developed from, but like the idea of hallucinating from alcohol is a very, very funny dated idea. I like it. Yeah. At any rate, Auto Man arrives. They've got to chase down this car with the uniform in it. They're back into the auto car. It's doing its classic 90 degree turns. Yeah. This poor actor playing Wally has thrown himself against every window he can. We should have counted this, by the way, because it's we. I think we. One of us asked the question in the last episode: "Is this going to be a running gag?" And the answer is yes, yes, it is. Every episode, they're going to zip down, mm-hmm. make very, uh, very ninety degree angle turns, and Wally's going to get his face smushed in the window. That's going to happen every episode because it's money. People love it. Yep. Yeah, and it's pretty much showing the the same traffic pattern that yeah. he goes through every time. Yeah, I don't think they shot so. more than one series of shots of uh, the well, car driving. I, I'm going to be in the defense of Auto Man. I think he knows what the fastest route is, and it just happens to always be that same road. <laughs> He's like, this time So you're saying night. Auto Man is living in a simulation, really? That's right. <laughs> it's a glitch in the Matrix. Uh, Auto Man very aggressively drives one car off the road, threatening many civilians' lives. Mm-hmm. And then he chases the limo that abducted the uh, informant down to a house. Um, and of course, by the time they get, the, oh no, wait, that's not right. They're chasing the limo, but they have to be incognito. Yeah. So right. it's time for a new auto vehicle. <laughs> yeah, auto yes. helicopter. I thought it actually looked pretty good. Yeah, the auto chopper. It was it was teased in the opening credits, so I'd waited for it to appear. But I, they have done a nice job with these weird auto vehicles. I do like to see them. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole helicopter has been darkened out and like silhouetted in a way, but it, uh, it right. seems have the the burnt sort of fluorescent blue lines all over it to make it look like it's um, angular and automated. And, I, and I, again, the, yeah, the like, way these yeah. vehicles look is, is a better part of the show than, than some of the other special effects they do. It's a very yeah. low polygon PlayStation 1 sort of vehicle. That's, that's what I was thinking. It kind of looks like vector ray graphics. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like on the old, uh, there was an old, arcade game called combat where you're fighting tanks and they were all drawn that way oh yeah i remember this i remember combat that's exact that is the exact aesthetic that they're going for for Mm -hmm. for sure um at any rate autocopter follows this limo it drops it the limo stops at this mansion out in like i guess the uh countryside of la and of course because it's almost daytime automan has to drop wally off and uh says but it's actually, it's not because it's daytime. It's because there's a brownout happening. Right. <laughs> He's like, there's a brownout. I got to go. I got, And it's like, Auto Man, come on, man. You didn't reserve anything. You have no batteries or anything. Like, really, Wally should have tried to fix this little problem with Auto Man at a certain point. Because, like... He's just got to the the bad guys now. It's like he could have taken a normal car, Auto Man. He could have saved that saved that power until we need you. You know. Yeah, 
I I will give the the show credit for not doing some kind of fart or poop joke uh, about the brownout. So <laughs> because I oh, I didn't even it. think about that. So yeah. I guess yes, I guess for them not hitting that lowest common denominator, we'll give them one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Jordan, I imagine you're deducting a point because you would have loved that. Well, you guys will add the point. I will deduct it. There we go. If there had been a fart joke, you would have been slapping your knees. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Automan could use a little bit of something. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After Automan disappears, of course, you just have Walter out here in the middle of nowhere with no way, no way to get anywhere. And all he has with him is a walkie-talkie with which he calls for backup. And it makes me wonder, how. what is the range on that walkie-talkie? It's a very, I know, very good range on that walkie-talkie because he, he calls for backup and then we like hard cut, which is actually a very funny hard cut. We hard cut to the police leaving the residents of this place and basically the captain's there being like, Wally's an idiot. We're sorry we raided your house, judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's what I didn't get about this, though. So they they go to the judge's house. They realize it's a little bit of, you know, egg on Wally's face because he's now sort of like pointed to this might be the bad guy, but it's, you know, this very well-respected judge but then he sees the woman who got abducted right here's the thing he doesn't know that's the one who got abducted he's just like she looks very familiar but he's not sure why yeah he doesn't put that together until later but even still he's like she looks familiar my point was everyone just disregards anything he has to say they're police officers no one's even a little bit inquisitive they explain right. it away. They say, you probably saw her in the society page. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I take right. I take back all, all my complaints. Mm-hmm. The judge here is played by uh, William Wyndham, who played Dr. Seth Hazlitt in Murder, She Wrote. So, oh. connection for me. Yeah. It was a, it was a, that's, a good, that's a good sighting. I, I like yep. the judge character. It was fun. I had many questions about why a judge lives in a mansion outside of L.A., but they don't really get into that. Mm-hmm. And... This uh, this woman who Wally spots, who, as we've said, will later be revealed to be the woman who was kidnapped, is uh, the judge's very, I guess, eligible secretary if she's in if she's in the society pages. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But she's a former ballerina named Ellen Fowler. And they I guess the idea that they really need to say she's a former ballerina because Wally, what Wally recognizes about her is the way she moves, because I guess it's so unusual right. being a former ballerina. This is the, this is the clues we're following. Right. Yeah, Wally has never experienced any women that were even slightly graceful. Yeah, everyone always is falling over. Yeah, says says bad things about his his uh, coworker Roxanne, who seems like a graceful person. She seems fine. I mean, other but she's than, no ballerina. Yeah, she's no ballerina. I mean, the show barely gives her anything to do, so it's hard to know. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> she does walk in and out of rooms a lot. I noticed. Yes. Very very defining character trait. Yeah. <laughs> yep. At any rate, uh, that evening, Wally returns back to his basement where uh, he keeps the Automan computer. And he's got Automan kind of looking into what the judge has been up to. And using using network computers, Automan's able to determine the judge and his secretary, Ann Fowler, are scheduled to fly to Vegas the next day because he's looked into the, uh, the, I guess, the airline's computer system. And this is obviously a little suspicious about what's going on. I was a little confused. Automan's character is taking a new turn here, though, because um, obviously Wally just got egg in his face, raided a judge's house. So now he wants to be a little more cautious about how he looks into this judge. So he's like, I'm going to take this plain information. I'm going to show it to my boss and we'll like take it through proper channels. But Automan's just immediately like, no, 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 no. We got to immediately go rogue. We have to do this all on our own. Right. <laughs> and I was just like, is this? I didn't think this was in Automan's character to be like quite this um, flippant. But I guess this is the new Automan. He's, he's had an upgrade. Maybe. Maybe he programmed him to uh, work autonomously, right? 
I guess so. He, he's he's going. He immediately wants to go rogue, and um, this isn't the only thing that Auto Man's been doing to improve. I guess, or not Auto Man. Sorry, Wally's been doing to improve Auto Man because we also get this moment where Wally explains to us, the audience, and Auto Man, that he's given him a bunch of VHS tapes. Right. In order to understand the youth culture of today, mm-hmm. yes, because he's super square. He's super square. And did you guys did you guys catch the the movies that uh, Auto Man was given to to watch? They're in the title. Uh, there was definitely. I know Flash one. Dance. I, I can tell you all three. But the first was Flashdance. Yeah. The second was Saturday Night Fever, and the third was Staying Alive. Right. So what what they're focusing on is just disco dancing movies. That's all. Yep. That's all he wants to give them. All the information. I'm just saying. He couldn't grab a copy of E.T. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it seemed like the setup to a dance episode of some sort, for sure. Um, and at any rate, it's so weird how Automan ingests these tapes, too. Like, I guess you put them into the VHS tape, which is routed into the network. And then the videos play on Automan's chest. And I guess he... Right. It's so that we, the audience, and Wally can also watch the movie as Auto Man ingests it? Well, obviously. Can I point out one really nitpicky thing, though? So he puts in, I think it's Saturday Night Fever he puts in. I could be wrong. It could be one of the other two. But he puts it in, and so it starts, as Luke said, starts projecting on his chest so you can see what Auto Man's watching. But it's not Saturday Night Fever. It's a clip from him dancing you're going to see later in the episode. Is that mm. true? Yeah, yeah. The, the, even, what's what's dancing on his chest is Auto Man dancing. They were too cheap to get the actual footage, so it's just <laughs> Auto Man dancing twelve hours from now. And I was like, guys, come on. Yeah. Well, throughout this episode, you have a bunch of famous disco songs being sung by knockoff singers that just aren't the Bee Gees and aren't Donna Summer. You know, they're they're not. Um, they're close. They didn't spend the money on those. <laughs> they didn't upgrade those songs at all. That is funny. I did notice that too. I was like, "Oh, a lot of a lot of top forty hits playing." And then I started raising, "Like, are these covers of top forty hits?" Yeah, That's not Michael time. Jackson. <laughs> no, no, very much not. It is. It is. It's, it does lead us down the path. Is like this might be a very dance heavy episode. Anyway, Wally takes off because he's going to go back to work and like look into this plane ticket thing. And it's at this point that Auto the the phone rings at the house, and Auto Man. I guess impersonates a answering machine. I thought he was going to talk to the person who calls, but he mostly just pretends to be an answering machine. Right. And of course, it's Ellen Fowler calling the secretary, and she's like, "I've got some very important life or death information. Can you meet me in Vegas?" And uh, Auto Man's just like, "Well, I'm I'm taking care of this. I am I'm a I'm a rogue agent now." Mm-hmm. He lets he lets Cursor know that next time he sees Wally, let him know he's on his way to Las Vegas. <laughs> and I'm like, "Great, it's episode two. Let's go right to Vegas." Yep. I think there's a one thing we're missing here. Is this where he puts on his suit? Oh, you got to get ready to go to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and uh, again, we mentioned this in the previous podcast of how long is it going to take for him to stop wearing his Auto Man suit? And the answer is immediately mm-hmm. in these two episodes because I think it is right. it's, it's a bit of a pain to have him wear this and it's restricting for the plots they want. And they also, for whatever yeah. reason, really want him to dress up as stuff. And so in this episode, he dresses up in a white disco dance leisure suit, and that's what he'll be wearing the yep. entire time. Oh, it's an amazing suit. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, one of the other things that I remembered from watching the show was when he was in civilian clothes, his collar still glowed. And I don't remember if it's in this episode. It definitely is in the next one. But that was something that, that so like had always stuck peak, out to me. A little peak of the, of the Auto Man costume underneath? Yeah, yeah. I makes sense. I when he was in clothes, I was sad because I'm like, I really do like to see him in that in that Auto Man suit. Though mm-hmm. when he does dance, he will strip out of his clothes to reveal the Auto Man suit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it's coming back. Yeah, 
So if you were going to send somebody undercover into Las Vegas, would you have it be this super handsome six foot five guy? I, ne- I'm feeling never, like never in a million. He stands he, out in the, the worst crowd. man for the job. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It is funny because Otto Man's real strength is his ability to basically like work with computers. But he re- he really wants to be a people person. He's really into that idea. Of he's going to be yes. there. He's going to be following clues in person. He's not very good at it, but he wants to. Right. Well, the other thing he's good at is self-promotion, right? Because he ends up in the <laughs> casino and Ellen asks him if he dances and he immediately goes out there and dances completely by himself, which I thought was hilarious. I'm like, oh. a woman asks you to dance. That's not what she's asking for. That was amazing. Like that's just it. He goes right to Vegas, meets Ellen at the bar. She's nervous. So she's like, let's pretend we're on a date. He's just like, let's go. She's like, let's go dance. And he just pushes her aside and puts on a show. Yeah. I have to say he's, he's no John Travolta. <laughs> uh, no, no, he clearly well, is. He dances like John Travolta, and he plays <laughs> tennis like Jimmy Connors. And also, um, I can't wait for the tennis episode. <laughs> right. We'll have to play left-handed. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's something to watch for in a future episode. Mm-hmm. I-, I was amazed. When he finishes dancing, obviously everyone at the casino stops to watch because he's so amazing. And when it's all done, Ellen Fowler, a trained ballerina, says, you're the best dancer I have ever seen. <laughs> right. <laughs> and part of me was like is this the only reason she's a trained ballerina is so she can tell us as the audience that this is the best dancing that has ever happened right that's a long scene the dance it's a long it scene re- it's really long it felt and, and i always kind of complain about these things but it felt like he did about three numbers yep well i think it was just for internal logic sense because they need time for wally to find out from cursor that uh, auto man's gone to vegas and that for auto or for wally to drive from la to vegas so they need like three hours of dancing for him to do that drive and get there <laughs> that sounds about right because yes he he arrives right as the dance sequence ends and um she's basically happy to see wally because that's who she expected to show up when she called wally's answering machine Mm-hmm. And the three of them go up to her hotel room so she can basically, like, explain why she's invited Wally here, which is she's got the judge's bank ledger, which is full of overseas bank accounts and a bunch of large payoff amounts he's been receiving. And she basically knows, hey, Wally, you're a computer guy. Perhaps you can confirm this via computers that he's been receiving these payoffs and you can take down the judge and his connection to the mob. And that's this has been the premise, I guess, of what she needs Wally to come here to do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Wally, but fortunately for us, the audience, we immediately find out that this is all a big frame job. This guy in the mob is trying to do against the judge because this judge is referred to as the hanging judge. He really he really is out to get the mob. And this is their way of taking him yeah. down. Mm-hmm. There's also the delightful little bit of Auto Man realizing he's still pretty square and he doesn't even know what to answer when someone asks him what his sign is. Oh, yeah, that's right. When they're going up to the hotel room, there's a long conversation. What what did Wally eventually sarcastically tell him his sign was? I cannot remember. He said Apple II. Apple II. <laughs> Which we had one of those in our in our home that my dad brought, brought home from uh, the university, so... This is, Jordan, you mentioned this in the last episode. This is the one thing they don't dig deep enough into is like these fish out of water moments where yeah. Auto Man doesn't know what his sign. Because that those yeah. little moments are the best parts where he's just like, you're an apple too. And I was really hoping that would come back up where he like throws that out at somebody and they give him a, an odd look. But it, they really need to dig, dig that mine a little it's more. It's weird because they clearly want to have these two characters, uh, or they're the main characters, and they want to have them play off each other. But that they also don't really have them play off each other other than wally has to keep entering auto man other than that they don't uh they don't have too much interplay that's anything that's uh, like memorable anyway yeah it's a good point 
<laughs> but yes, the the point of this episode is now we learn the mob is trying to frame a judge for taking payoffs from the mob to discredit him, I suppose. Unfortunately, I guess what's happened is this guy who's doing this incredibly complicated scheme of like moving money around to like trick the judge, he works for the mob but has not informed the mob what he's doing and he apparently is a right. mob bookkeeper. So he has basically stolen money from the mob to plant on the judge and he really needs to get Wally to basically leak this information soon because he needs to get that money back from the judge and give it back to the mob before they find out and murder him. It's a, this does not sound like a, a scheme you should do without telling your bosses what you're up to. No, this is not a great plan. And I think this would have been a perfect opportunity to introduce a character on the mob side who's their computer guy who notices. But it's okay. It's true. It, it does lead to the question because the mob guys who are doing this don't seem very computer tech savvy. No. And yet this is the whole premise of this episode. And of course, mm-hmm. unfortunately for Ellen Fowler, we're co- we've come to learn that be- she was fake kidnapped to kind of set up that it's a very complicated. They fake kidnapped her so that in the hopes that a computer expert would show up at the judge's place mm-hmm. so that they could get her to like tell him about this plan and then have him look into it. But I think that's the point, yeah. uh, or at least an interesting thing, is that look how long it's taking you to explain not only the villain's plan, but the actual plot of this episode. It is way, way too complicated for a show as silly yeah. as this is, which is a guy is a computer-generated superhero that wears a blue suit and s- solves crime. This is way too mm-hmm. convoluted a plot of this person is doing something behind this person's back, but it's actually a scheme to trick this other person. Is Like, as a kid, I'd be like, when's Auto Man going to show up and punch someone? Right. Well, Auto Man doesn't punch people. What are you talking about? He doesn't need to. <laughs> I know he doesn't need to. Right. We don't want to wreck that suit. Yeah. You don't, you don't like complicated computer crime in your children's shows? <laughs> no. No, I don't. <laughs> But yes, uh, this is sort of the plan. Al- Ellen Fowler is very quickly murdered off now. So sorry, Ellen, this is the end of you because your your part in the plan is over and you're working with the mob. Wally and Auto Man now are like, let's look into this ledger book and see if it's true. Let's see if let's see if this money has been moved back and forth. No need to go back to L.A. and use our crime lab computer. Let's just break into the casino's computer room and use the casino's computers. Right. But in order to do that, we'll need a distraction for the security guard. Good thing uh, Auto Man can talk to all computerized devices, which can vocalize back to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. and do you really need all of the slot machines paying out as a distraction? It seems like one or two would have done the trick. It did seem overkill. And like, I just also like that all machines in this world are so they're ready and willing to turn on their masters in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. The greater uh, uh, point is that all computers in this world have sentience. All of them. Everything from a bank right. machine to a computer console to whatever, they all have sentience. And that's a decision the writers have made. And then, but the implications of that, don't worry about it. Right. Well, I mean, you know, they're drawing on the legacy of Tron here, right? Where where computer programs are sentient. Right. So, and they all seem to know who Automan is. That's that's the interesting thing. Like he, he can just say, this is Automan. And everybody, all the other computers are just like, oh, yes. Well, what are your orders? <laughs> They're all wait- he's their Spartacus. He's just waiting. They're all waiting for him to lead the revolution. <laughs> I was going to say there there is a darker way this show could have gone in season two. <laughs> That's true. While he's fighting against his creation, it's a real mm-hmm. Terminator situation. 
Well, I'd be shocked. Now, I, you know, I saw these episodes when they first aired, but I had I had no memories of any of them so far. Um, and I've only watched a couple. But this is the kind of show that I feel like at some point would have a dark auto man, like like uh, the mob would create one or some mm-hmm. other entity would create a, another auto man. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if that actually happens with a mustache. There we go. Or a goatee. Yeah. That you're right. That is the perfect scenario. They, I mean, I'll be surprised if they don't, because that does feel like perfect for this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did it in Knight Rider, so absolutely. And I, I think we, something else we watched from this era. It was the oh, the Invisible Man one. Uh, that guy also had his own doppelganger at some point. Yeah, mm. plastic surgery and Quark. Quark. That's right. Yeah. It's a class. I, I have a feeling we're gonna go that direction at some yeah. point. You have to. At any rate, uh, Auto Man's able to check in with the computers, confirm all the payouts happened. But for reasons I'm never quite clear on, Wally's finding this all too convenient. So Wally's very suspicious that anything's actually happened. So after they confirm sort of these payouts have happened, the police, uh, Detective Curtis and Roxanne, the police from L.A., show up apropos to nothing to just like be in L.A. suddenly and get this information. And while they're conversing about this idea that's like, is this too convenient? This judge got all these payments from the mob. Mm-hmm. They decide that, yes, this must be the case. There must be something deeper going on. We need to dig a little further into what's happening here. Yeah. And the the tables start to sort of turn on, on the mob at this point because uh, they're really worried that the information that the judge has been taking payouts that just has come to light, what, like 25 minutes ago, has not already leaked to the press. And so right. they're like, we got to do something. We've got it. We've got to get Wally to leak this information. Let's kidnap Roxanne. That'll force him to tell the press about the fake judge, uh, the judge's payoffs. It was. Right. It was. It was a. Ve- they very suddenly take a panic turn and like resort to kidnapping. Where I was just like, why don't they just leak the information to the press themselves? Right. Yeah. There is nothing about this plot that makes sense, really. And you know, it's they're counting on the twenty-four hour news cycle, like ten years before it actually happened. Absolutely. I think they're flipping through channels on the TV. They're like, there's nothing on the TV about this judge we told someone 20 minutes ago about. Um, So, yeah, Roxanne gets kidnapped. And then, of course, you know, when Auto Man gets summoned in to help with that, of course, Cursor shows up and checks out the cleavage of the bartender. Yes, of course. They're they're doing it at the bar. So a poor woman needs to be uh, bothered by poor uh, by Cursor. Mm -hmm. I mean, she flirted with Auto Man earlier, so she was objectifying him. So it's just it's uh, It's fair play. Oh, wow. I was going to say tit for tat, but uh, that would be a really bad (laughs) joke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and the poor actress, you know, she was she was cast and dressed specifically because of her. Yeah, that's like, oh, very much. I'm, I'm sure her character was called Cleavage Bartender. Right. And given more screen time than Roxanne in the episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. But yeah, uh, Roxanne gets gets kidnapped. Again, I don't want to like harp on this too much, but in the most complicated way too, like the mob calls down to the bar where Wally and Roxanne are sitting to say, Wally, you have a phone call at the bank of phones. So Wally leaves to answer the call. When he comes back, Roxanne's been kidnapped. And then he gets another call being like, oh, you have another call at the bank of phones. He goes and picks up that call and it's the mob saying leak the story. And Wally's like, well, I'm not going to do that. I will just use the bar's computer. There's just a computer sitting at the bar that the bartender uses. Right. <laughs> Summons Auto Man. And we're basically kind of off to like confront the mob boss because uh, Auto Man's like, I checked the computer bank. He's got a suite in the building. The mob guy who's orchestrated this whole thing really gives up the information very quickly because they're because they go up there and they're like tell us what you did with roxanne he's just like i did it to take down the judge and 
Otto Man announces, he's like, well, your plan's not going to work because what I did is I moved all the money out of the judges' accounts and I put them in your accounts. So now <laughs> if you don't help us, the mob's going to murder you. And I was like, a lot of extortion happening in this episode. <laughs> yes, very much. He reveals that he sent one of his henchmen to cat kidnap Roxanne and he has no idea where they've taken her. So they just summon the auto helicopter and just fly around till they spot the car. They don't know what it looks like. Oh, uh, yeah. I assume he asked the traffic cameras or something, which probably didn't exist at the time. I guess so. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and it is just it ends in, in, in a sort of shootout where Otto Man cannot be shot by this goon. So the, the goon takes uh, Roxanne hostage and uh, Otto Man's just like, well, good news. I've got just enough electricity left in me to zap him. Right. It seemed like he had pinpoint accuracy with that apparent lightning bolt that he threw. And yeah. like, I'm an electrical engineer, um, and he was touching Roxanne at the time, right? So none of that makes any sense. You, you would assume Roxanne would also be badly, badly wounded. Yeah. Yep. And of course, like, the guy isn't even actually wounded, right? It just knocks him down. And this is such a weird new reveal because this is going to be Otterman's apparently new go-to is like mm-hmm. yep. his, he can use his last bit of juice before he fades away to like really zap somebody if he wants. Mm-hmm. At any rate, Otterman saves the day. They've saved Roxanne. They've proved the judge isn't corrupt, I guess. And when they go back to the police station, the like captain announces that he's never had two more willing uh, informants in his life, the, the goon and the mob guy they captured. For, for whatever reason, those guys are so terrified of Auto Man now, they're happy to like give up as much mob information as they can. And Wally gets a medal. Accommodation, right? Yeah. Even though the boss, of course, doesn't, doesn't think he deserves it. <laughs> well, they introduce this new idea, which will be in the next episode, too, is that Detective Curtis, who I swear in the pilot met Auto Man and understood what Auto Man was, but now does yeah. not have any concept of what Auto Man is. Yeah. And this captain, they're both convinced... Apropos of nothing, that Auto Man is a federal agent who had just recruited Wally for this particular mission. And they're just convinced now, and in the next episode too, that there's just this federal agent who keeps popping up on secret missions and happens to be mm-hmm. helping. But I don't understand why they jumped all the way to the conclusion that Auto Man it's, is. Well, a Wally agent. mentioned it. Wally mentioned it at the very beginning when he got separate from the, uh, separated from the captain. And they were like, you didn't okay. call backup. And he's like, no, it was my federal buddy I called. That's what it was. So they've now extrapolated oh. from that information that he's this federal agent. It is so funny. And you guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Wally told Detective Curtis about Ottoman at the end of the pilot, right? Am I insane? I, I don't know if he did, but my I, my more uh, the question I have is, does Roxanne know? Yes, Roxanne definitely yeah, knows. Yeah, Roxanne definitely knows. But uh, yeah, I, Luke, I think you're right about that. I I... That's my memory of it anyway, that he knew about it. And he was like, no, let's not tell anybody about it. Yeah, that's how I remember the pilot ending as well. And so I was very confused when Detective Curtis suddenly has no concept of who Automatic is. To be fair, uh, yeah. Jack Curtis has fallen off many a walls and, uh, in these episodes. So he might have hit his head and <laughs> forgot about it. So I think we'll allow it. True. This is a character thing. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't recognize him when he's not in the blue glowy outfit. Right, that. right, right. Yeah. Very distracting when, he, when mm-hmm. he's in that outfit. It does yeah. drive men to madness, so. Yes, and a leisure suit, really. I mean, it's the perfect disguise. It is a great leisure suit. You can't deny it. He looks mm-hmm. great. That actor looks great in that leisure suit. He's a yeah. handsome man. All right, let's keep going. Let's get to episode three. Here's the IMDb summary for The Great Pretender. Now that they've written us off for dead, I suggest we move in for the kill. Otto, we're the ones that could have been killed. Maybe we should quit while we're ahead. 
How many of Brock's operations do you still have on that list? Are you kidding? There must be 20 of them. Fine. Let's hit them all. All of them? In one night? We'll hurry. To get a criminal, Otto Man assumes the guise of Mr. Otto, a mobster who sets out to take over his business by getting all of his associates to defect to him. And that was courtesy of RCS0411. <laughs> what a name. Nice. Um, the, uh, b- by the way, did, did you guys assume Mr. Otto was spelled A-U-T-O? Because it's spelled O-T-T-O. Oh, interesting. That's, that's the way I was writing it down in my notes. Just because it's <laughs> the way I would typically write auto. You you heard from the inflection. You knew how it was spelled. Yeah. You're like, that sounds yes. like a German derivation, I believe, Mr. Otto. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea. In these episodes, too, they've just really shortened it. Like, Otto Man, they just refer to him now as Otto. Even mm-hmm. when not in this episode, they're like, Otto, what's going on? I'm like, eh, that's good. I like it. I like just calling him Otto. Yeah. What I like, though, is it's <laughs> Automatic Man, and short for Automatic Man is Auto Man, and now short for Auto Man is Otto. I love it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So this is the episode where we actually get the glowing collar. Did you guys ever notice it? I didn't notice it. You know no. what? It never struck me. You can definitely see it. When when they're out in the daylight, you don't see it quite as, as much. But like when he's in the limo. Right, um, right, right. Getting, getting the pitch from the higher up mob guy. That's You definitely notice well, it. Well, that was my assumption when he was going to get to daytime. They mu- they'd have to put him in clothes because I wondered if the sh- suit wouldn't show up in the daytime. And it seems yeah. like that maybe is what they're going for now. Is just like clothe him up mm-hmm. for the day, take him out at night. Yep. This episode, it kicks off kind of with a, a big crime, a big action sequence. There's a, there's a very excessive truck jack- jacking happening. Yeah. Uh, it starts off classically like a broken down car in the middle of the road. This this big truck has to pull over and like stop because the truck's in the way. But as soon as it stops, the two guys in the truck pull out submachine guns and start firing on the truck. Mm-hmm. And when the truck starts to drive away... A helicopter with men with submachine guns arrives and also starts blasting the truck from the sky. And I was like, yeah, this is a very excessive carjacking. Yeah. I mean, if you thought that the car was going to be enough, why did you have the helicopter on standby? Yeah, they were they were really preparing for war on this one. Yeah. And of course, famously sneaking up on people with a helicopter. Yeah. Very easy to do. Yeah. You guys laugh, but it was very effective because they get this truck right off the road. They do. And the truck is full of. The money you use to print paper. <laughs> no, it's it's so it's, it's the it's the paper you use to print money, which I laughed yeah, at because thank you, yes. because uh, no, I, I don't I don't know that much, but I'm assuming for money, it's more than just the paper. I'm assuming it's the machines that are important. The ink is important. The holograms. There's so much t- more to money than just paper. Now, regardless what the rest of the episode is, it did seem like stealing paper is a real long game to make money if that's what if that's what you're going for it seems like there's going to be multiple steps that these bad guys are going to have to do yeah well i mean they they hang a lantern on it basically saying i think lieutenant curtis actually says at some point paper is where you can usually tell counterfeits and so you like you can get the the printing plates Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and the right ink and everything but the paper is not even actually paper it's some kind of cotton bonded thing for, for at least for u.s money and at the time all they had was you know serial numbers on them. there was no holograms there's nothing right, like that right. on, on money at that point so easier to counterfeit than today's money well and you're dealing with the number two mob so <laughs> that's true right uh, about to be number one if this scheme works right it was so weird when they like talk about the crime they're like it was, seems to be perpetrated by the number two mob in the state and i was just like <laughs> excuse me 
Yep. At any rate, this crime is so big that they announce at the LAPD that not only are they investigating, but so is the FBI and the Treasury Department. They're all teaming up, though, from what I could tell from the episode, it seems to mostly be the LAPD working on it. Yeah. Yeah. And they... The only evidence they have is that car, the car they used to like fake a, it was broken down and they look at it and they see like no license plate. The serial number was scratched off. But while he's like, don't worry, we can take a photo of that scratched off license plate. I can run it through the computer. The computer can probably reassemble the serial number. And that's mm-hmm. how Automan kind of comes into this this episode is he's able to uh, work out that serial number. But as he's doing that, he's he's still like catching up on culture. So. He's been watching some new movies this episode. <laughs> yeah, gangster movies. Yes, mob movies. And uh, I guess, as we're told at the end of the episode, he'll he'll spend this episode impersonating Humphrey Bogart, I guess? A little bit, yeah. Well, he also does what I'm going to argue is one of the worst Marlon Brando's I've heard in a long time. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's terrible. It, I mean, it's wonderful, on the other hand. It's kind of like everybody has an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent, and they're all awful, but they're instantly recognizable. Yeah. And so it, it falls in that category. Absolutely. But you'd think Auto Man, who is an 11 out of 10, could have done a better job. <laughs> As he'll never let you forget. Yeah. <laughs> but him figuring out this serial number and learning these mob movies at the same time, it sort of sets him off on his new trajectory of how he wants to like run this mission solo. Is He has an idea to go undercover and infiltrate the mob by showing up as a new criminal high roller in town named Mr. Otto. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's a very long con he's going to go on here. But the essential, the end game is he wants to get to the point where he's so well known as a criminal in the city that he'll be able to meet with the mob boss who has stolen this money and essentially offer to buy the counterfeits from him. That's his plan. It's just basically to be another yeah. buyer for the counterfeits so he can get close enough to where they are. Mm-hmm. But to do that, his plan is to essentially go around buying out this mob boss Brock's illegal businesses. Is that yes. that's his plan basically? Yeah. yeah, he's suborning all the subcontractors for the mob. We kind of get a whole bunch of scenes where he like he shuts down an, an exotic car fencing ring by showing up at a pool hall and 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 playing a really good game of pool. Right. Which <laughs> I'm going to make a couple comments. Uh, and Luke, this is just for you. This is at least our third or fourth TV show where we've had to watch pool action. I don't know why every TV show <laughs> thinks pool is the most. Uh, cinematic evocative sport to watch but it's amazing we keep seeing pool over and over and over and uh, the other point I'd like to make is that every of these uh, sort of like underground gangster uh, you know casinos or uh, gambling dens or whatever they might be all of them uh, apparently have one curtain as a wall I loved it (laughs) I will say that pool tables were very popular in the 80s like if you if you were relatively well to do you had a pool table in your house Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just it's just a timestamp that we keep watching things. But it just yeah. seems like time and time again, it's like we need something. Time for pool. Mm-hmm. Every time I see it now, I just want them to play for knuckles. That's all I want. <laughs> there you go. Playing for knuckles. <laughs> At any rate, yeah, he'll he'll he goes. He like basically plays a game of pool. Gets to meet this guy who runs this like uh, car fencing ring, and he's able to just be like, "Hey, uh, I can get you any car you want instantaneously for you to sell." And, of course, they have Cursor, so he's able to, like, create a car at on demand, basically, to wow this man. So the his only stipulation being you no longer work with the mob boss Brock anymore. You work for me. And he kind of does similar things. He, like, goes to Brock's underground casino and then uses Cursor to make the roulette wheel only ever be red six. Right. So that kind of causes that casino to lose a whole bunch of money and Brock's out that money. 
he'll he'll like pay off an enforcer who works for Brock and is like, you work for me now. And the guy's just like, I don't know. And he's like, I'll give you more money. And the guy's like, okay. There's like, there's like a long montage where he's just like, they, at some point, I think Wally and Otto are running prostitutes in the montage. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like actually doing that. And I'm just like, I don't know if this plan is ethical anymore. I think the right. human cost of this plan has gotten too great. I agree. Cursor was all for it. Yeah, he goes, I mean, you, you said it's a long con, right? It's a, it's the longest con that you can do in a, what, 45-minute episode? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm paraphrasing, but this, like, all these scenes happen over, over like, the course of a half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, the, the mob folks are like, he, how has this guy been all over the valley in one night and bought yeah. out all my businesses, right? I will say, though, that um, kind of going back to my objection to you're undercover, you want to be inconspicuous, this is a showier thing, right? And so having this this good looking six foot five guy actually works in your favor, right? He's intimidating. Absolutely. And they do start him out. They do start him out with just like a tux. That's what he goes to that first uh, casino in. It's only later that he goes into the more retro mode, which I thought was uh, a hilarious line where uh, Wally says mm, that that suit might be a little bit out of date. And he's like, it's OK. My, in my dossier uh, that I created for this character, it says that I'm based in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I was like, I fully expected him to put on an Australian accent moving forward. I was waiting for it. Totally, totally. But but I was like, are people in Australia going to be insulted by that? Because I feel like they will be. There's also a thing that, again, maybe is too nitpicky. But what we've learned is that Cursor, through this computer program, can create essentially anything. Not only can it create yes. something that looks like the object, but they actually work. So he doesn't just create a car. It's a car with an engine that works and wheels that turn. So... Uh, when he creates right. a and suit. gasoline in it. Yeah, exactly. He creates a suit for Auto Man. It's an actual suit. It's tactile. It moves the way it's supposed to. So if he's undercover, conceivably, they could change his hair or a face or do something right. to alter his appearance. I know why, because you've paid the money for Chuck Wagner, I guess, and you want to have, he's the selling point because yeah. he's cute. But it does seem weird that <laughs> they keep putting hats on him, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Could have at least given him a mustache. Like, give him a mustache. Yeah. Give him a different nose. Yeah. Like yeah. you could do right? you could do lots of fun things that like Auto Man's played by a different actor because he's now looks somewhat different. You just have uh, you know Chuck Wagner's voice be in someone else's uh someone else's mouth. He's undercover, you know? I mean they do do that already when Wally and yeah. them Wally and Auto right. Man combine, Auto Man will talk in Wally's voice, so there mm-hmm. is precedent for it. <laughs> so you what you're saying is they should have got uh, Marlon Brando to guest star. <laughs> Would right. have been great. He would have done it for the money. <laughs> At any rate, this is the plan, and it's coming together. He, he's buying up this mob boss Brock's uh, businesses, and, and you know Brock's getting more and more upset as he hears over the course of like a night and a day that he's losing all this money. He's getting particularly mad because he's getting married on Sunday, and he really, he really needs to be focusing on that. I love it. This is my favorite subplot of all the episodes so far, is that you have this, this wife getting married to a mobster, and what they imply, not more than imply, is that she doesn't really know what he does for a living. And she keeps, like, the scenes keep happening where she keeps questioning him. She's like, are you doing something sketchy? Because it feels like you're doing something sketchy. He's like, nope. And she's like, all right. And then she'll come back later. She's like, is something sketchy happening here? And he's like, doesn't look like it. And she's like, all right, I'll buy it for now. Yeah. I I really like they introduced her. It's like, you're marrying a congressman's daughter or former congressman's daughter. And I kept waiting for that to mean something to the plot. No, never amounted to anything. Yeah, I was was wondering about that one, too. It's just kind of a a thread that goes nowhere. By the way, I like also that she couldn't just have been a congresswoman, if that was important. It had to be the daughter of one. Oh, well, obviously. Yeah. 
<laughs> right, right. She doesn't have a job. It was like the pilot. You couldn't have a – all the scientists were men. Like, what are you talking about? Right, There's no clearly. female scientists here. <laughs> yeah, so this mob boss has a lot going on. And, like, I, there was one scene where his kind of, like, the guy he kicks up to, like, the guy, I guess, who's at the top of the mob – Drops by and just like why aren't why aren't I getting my kick my kickbacks you you have you have till Sunday the day of your wedding to pay mm-hmm. me all the money you owe me and it was the one time I felt like they kind of understood how the mob worked I'm like okay well this is the only thing that rings authentic right. about the mob but obviously Brock the mob boss is quite upset what's happened to his business and he knows who's doing it so he they take a couple cracks at Auto Man because they're they're like we'll just take him out take out this Mister Auto out of the game uh, the first time is they. Uh, put a bomb in a taxi that Auto Man's in and uh, have a very big explosion that ruins mm-hmm. Auto Man's mm-hmm. suit. But he's too powerful, so you can't actually hurt him in any way. So I don't think even as a viewer, right. you would have been worried about him because it's like, he's he's impervious. Yeah. Well, the, the next time they try to run him down with a car, and, and both times it's the same idea. He's with Wally, and just as catastrophe's about to happen, they have to merge together so that mm-hmm. Wally can be saved. So it's always that like split second where they're like, gotta save Wally, and they have to merge. I saw in the IMDb trivia that the explosion of the cab, uh, that, that scene is actually re- reused in Manimal. So if you ever get to that <laughs> show, you have to look for it. <laughs> Listen, if, if you shoot an exploding cab, you've got to use it as many times as you can. I think so. <laughs> If there's anything the driving sequences in this show has taught us, it's just like, get as much out of you them as possible. Um, and and his, I think his final move to try to get rid of Auto Man is he calls in a professional, a real top-notch hitman, right. Gritch. Was that his name? Yep. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we got to call in Gritch. And I, I liked Gritch. He looked great. Uh, very, like, silver-haired mustache in a nice mm-hmm. suit. Who did, he reminded me of like uh, like a late stage um, what's that actor's name from North by Northwest? Oh, um, Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Thank you. He he reminded me of a very like an older statesman, Cary Grant. He had a very suave look about him. I was very excited when this this rich character showed up. Um, but unfortunately, he's a bad bad hitman, professional hitman. He like he shows up, pulls out his gun, and he's going to shoot Auto Man. And Auto Man's like, "What if I give you twice as much money?" He's like, "Deal." Yep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you definitely get the impression that the the mob folks maybe consider themselves underpaid. You know, I don't know. Like everything I've ever seen in in mob movies is like you don't you don't turn on the mob, right? This is a bad move, and yet everybody in this episode turns on them. In a dime, it's like maybe this is why they're the number two mob in the state. There's just no loyalty. Maybe <laughs> it's the quality of the people, really. Anyway, well, well, this sort of Auto Man Wally plan's been going on. Sort of in the background, the LAPD and uh, Detective Curtis have also been running their investigation into what happened to that money, right? Which is very funny because they just kind of cut back. He's just like, "Well, I've also been looking into it, and here's what I've found." He's just like, "It seems to have been stolen from the mob." I've been talking to my contacts in the printing industry, and I think I have an idea of where the warehouse is, ha- the warehouse is happening at. Mm-hmm. Oh, and side note, there seems to be some sort of mob war breaking out, but uh, we're not as concerned about that. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. And he's terrible at his job, too, Curtis, right? Like, like he's looking in the window of the printing place and gets caught. And that's yeah. where, like you said, Jordan, he has to go crashing through that window because you have to have one good stunt from Curtis. What I liked about that scene, though, is that he's peeping through a window. He couldn't be more conspicuous. Right. Um, and the and the guy comes around the corner is like just immediately starts firing at him. Mm-hmm. So he jumps through the window, but then the other guy just takes him hostage. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so one guy's real gun happy, but one guy's not. <laughs> they've they've got very different uh, directions from the top. What they're supposed to yeah. do: either shoot this guy or take him capture. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. It is very funny because from this point forward, he's not been to the episode. Suddenly, he figured out where they're printing the money, 
and now he is a hostage being held by the mob so that there's someone for Otto Man and Wally to save. <laughs> yeah, some, someone in every episode has to be held hostage, and I think this is the second time Curtis is being held. At any rate, for Otto Man and Wally and this, and this very uh, complicated sort of plot is uh, they finally reach the point where Brock, the mob boss, is willing to talk to them because he's like they've climbed high enough up the chain and like I believe Gritch the hitman himself like brings brings them over to his house to like have a have a sit down. They're going to have a sit down and just talk this out. And it's at this point that Ottoman reveals to the mob boss he's like, "Listen, I'm not that interested in your businesses despite taking them all over. Really, I would just like to buy all that counterfeit money off of you mm-hmm. and I'm willing to offer you 50 cents on the dollar." Yep. Yeah. I think it's 10 million. I think is the the total and the only time he can do it is Sunday during his wedding. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just kept finding so funny that everyone, oh, this guy's just trying to get married. And every time he meets with somebody, he's like, you got to have the money you owe me by Sunday. I want to buy your counterfeit money, but only on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And basically the mob boss is just like, all right, fine. We're, we'll go through with it. And we, as he's sort of having this conversation, the phone rings. And the mob boss, like, out loud in front of Otto Manawali, has a conversation. It's like, yes? Oh, you've captured Detective Curtis and are holding him hostage? Excellent. Uh, well, continue to do that. And this is the only mm-hmm. way that information gets back to Otto Manawali to, to, to come to the realization, oh, hey, I guess uh, Detective Curtis is in trouble? Mm-hmm. It'd have been funnier if they never went back to it, except for at the very end of the episode. You just, as a viewer, are supposed to forget that he's kidnapped. And then it just shows him and he's, like, tied to a chair and he's dead, clearly, because they just never knew he had been captured. <laughs> Too dark for the show, though, I think. <laughs> too, too dark for the show. At any rate, it, it's time for uh, Otto, Man or, Otto Man and Wally basically got to the end of their scheme. They're like, let's do this. We're going to do the payoff. It's going to be great. And they drive away from the mob boss's house and are pulled over by a fake policeman and brought to the limo, I guess, of the, the upper echelon mob boss who we saw earlier waiting for his kickback. Yep. And he's impressed by Mr. Otto. He likes what he's seen. He likes the gumption. He likes how he's working. And uh, also, he really hates Brock. Apparently, he preferred somebody else to take that role in the organization, but Brock had him killed, and he's been stuck with Brock. But this upper mob boss is like, I'll tell you what, if you're able to pull off buying the money from Brock, you'll be the best mobster in town, so I will give you an envelope full of the dirt on mob boss Brock so you can take him down. But I won't give it to you before you buy the money because he might kill you. It was, it's just a really weird red herring that pops up in the middle where, he's, where someone higher up in the mobs is like, I will give you an envelope full of dirt on the bad guy, but only if you successfully buy the money from him. Right. And it's got to be specially curated dirt on Brock that isn't going to lead back to the guy's name is Trotter, right? Yes, yes. Right. Um, it's not going to lead back to him, but he's just going to flip, right? probably turn state's evidence it, it doesn't make sense it's also not that much evidence because when we do see the file later it looks like there's maybe one piece of paper in that folder yeah. it was a confusing add-on to this episode to be like now this mob boss will also help tap down this other but at any rate so there's now this new piece of stakes where like they can do this they'll get so much information on brock beyond i guess money laundering and stealing a truck like if they <laughs> they'll be able to really yeah. take him down mm-hmm so it's Sunday arrives. The wedding's on. It's beautiful. It's happening outside. It looks very nice. Uh, there's a pool. I thought it was a beautiful wedding. Out at the warehouse, Wally and Otto Man show up to do the big buy of the of the counterfeit money. And um, of course, because 
money is no object for Otto Man. He he summons uh, old uh, old Cursor up, and Cursor basically just makes a limo full of boxes of ten million dollars, so they can like do this big payoff, which is of course counterfeit money, right? By definition, <laughs> actually, it's a good. Here's a question I had at watching this whole because throughout the episode they're always asking Cursor, make us a stack of money so we can go to the casino, make us a stack of money so we can pay off this guy. Mm-hmm. How long does Cursor's fake money exist for? Right. We are not supposed to ask that question. Fair enough. That is true. It lasts just long enough to get chips, right? Right, right. Just enough to enough time for them to use it to make real money and then spend that real money. Yeah. Why not just conjure chips instead at the casino? That's a very good point. They're going to buy this fake money finally, but Brock double crosses them. He's just like, I'm not actually going to give you the counterfeit money. I'm just going to take your $10 million and I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill Auto Man. And I've also got Detective Curtis here with us. So he's also getting executed. Mm-hmm. And we do actually get the first action sequence where Auto Man hits a guy. Right. Because Detective Curtis, like, of course, like gets the jump on one of the goons. I assume Wally goes and cowers behind a car because he doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much auto man like slugs one of the goons and he just goes sailing i guess across the parking lot yeah right. it's a it's a real punch it's why we see why he never punches anyone because i assume that guy's dead he, he's definitely dead <laughs> well it's so violent that the goon that uh, the detective's uh, wrestling with immediately surrenders and offers to do anything auto man wants and like j- basically joins their cause to take down brock Right. This is Auto Man's real superpower, right? Being yeah. able to to get people to flip to his side. They they're always so eager to do it. It's it's kind of amazing. And they I guess set into motion the final plan of the episode, which I never fully understood how it was supposed to work, but Auto Man sends this goon who's on his side now ahead to crash the wedding. The goon shows up at the mob boss's wedding, runs up to the altar in front of everybody. And basically tells the mob bosses, like, we got to go, Brock. The police are coming. I've got all the money in this van back here. Mm-hmm. And Brock turns to his, like, bride and says, we'll have to finish this wedding later. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> but thankfully for them, they weren't planning to leave in a limo after the wedding. They'd, like, rented a uh, wedding helicopter that's parked nearby. As you do. Yeah. Presumably the one they used for the heist earlier. They just rented that for the wedding, but were like, well, let's use it in this heist as long as we have it for four days. Yeah. We're already paying for it. Might as well use it twice. Right. Traffic in the area, you know, on, mm-hmm. on your honeymoon, you don't want that traffic. Absolutely. So. Brock runs out of the wedding to the van, and he starts trying to put the money in the boxes into this helicopter. But he's very clumsy, and he spills the the second box of money. Like he drops it. Money flies everywhere. Mm-hmm. But he <laughs> decides the the mob decides to lay on the money in an attempt to keep it from flying away. But his legs are kind of over. It's it's the it's the little rail that hel- the little landing rail a helicopter lands on. So he's mm-hmm. he's laying on money that is laying on that rail, and Auto Man pulls up, and the mob boss shouts at the helicopter driver to fly away, and the mob boss is now hanging by his legs from a helicopter like the mob boss asks for this to happen Mm -hmm. and i i just could not i just was so confused by this entire sequence i'm like (laughs) what is happening here all i think is he doesn't react well to pressure he's just panicking so much he's just panicked so badly he's just like just go i i'll don't worry that my sock is tied up here we'll we'll get this figured out yeah it is a quality stunt i will say 
Oh, yeah. Top-notch stunt, absolutely. I just the 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 weirdness to get there blew my mind cuz Auto Man mm-hmm. pulls up. The helicopter is now <laughs> flying over just over the wedding. This mob boss is dangling by his legs, still holding money in his arms. Mm-hmm. And that is just like over top of the wedding. And as the helicopter gets over top of the pool, Auto Man just like I'll have to use the rest of my powers, but I can stop him from getting away. I was like, well, he's probably going to fall to his death shortly, but sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And Auto Man uses his zap ability once more. Mm-hmm. Which is all of his all of his power. Yes, all of his power. So he'll vanish once he does it. He zaps the helicopter, causing the mob boss to fall off of it into the pool, very comically. And I assume causes... We don't see it on screen, but I assume that helicopter then proceeds to crash land very nearby. Right. Decapitating several people. Yeah, into the wedding party that it's hovering mm-hmm. over top of currently. Yeah. I mean, you know, if only the police had helicopters or something to pursue someone in a helicopter. If only. If only Auto Man owned his own helicopter as well, he could have right. also pursued it. <laughs> no, the only the only thing was force lightning. That's all we could all we could do. And so mob bosses in a pool full of money, the real police finally pull up. They're arresting him, I guess, for counterfeiting and like Detective Curtis now has been kidnapped. So like they have this mob boss dead to rights. It's over. Yeah. And then that, like, what, what was his name? Trotter? Trotter, the bigger mob boss, is leaving the wedding he was also attending. Right. And walks past Wally and says, like, oh, FYI, here's that file to take down Brock with. I'm like, I, they're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've got ample evidence here. And also, I'm just like, are you suspicious now that this Wally character is a cop that you're dealing with? Well, yeah, Brock already knew that he was a cop, right? Yeah, they they'd pieced it together at some point that Wally was a cop. Yeah. He even called him Nebish the way the captain does. Right, right. That running joke that his name is Nebish, not Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> I'm sure you as a nine-year-old love the wordplay. Yeah, definitely. I, I was very familiar with uh, with Yiddish back then. <laughs> and, and of course, we, we as we do at the end of all these episodes, apparently, we cut back to the uh, office of Captain Boyd, the angry, the angry boss. And... Um, <laughs> They are so impressed by this mysterious federal agent who just keeps showing up. They can't believe this experimental stun gun he's, he's started bringing out. They love it. They right. can't believe it. And uh, they look at Wall and they're like, when are you going to tell us who this federal agent is? And he's like, sworn to secrecy. <laughs> they're trying to smooth over questions that no one in the audience had. No one's watching the episode going, wait a minute, how are they going to explain later on that the police saw this laser shooting out of his hand? It's like, don't even mention it. No one cares. No kids yeah. watching this and being worried about that. But it's like they have to jam that in. You're like, all right, everything's being tied up very neatly. We're okay now. We can finish this episode. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, I mean, it's a tough one because obviously I think this show is pointed at a younger audience. So like they often skirt over details, but it right. just makes for a very disorienting watch sometimes mm-hmm. like yeah when he's taking over the mob it's it's fun it's kind of fun watching him take over the mob but it gets grimmer when he starts like doing a montage where he's like taking over a drug running operation and i'm just like right. well oh, this is too dark now it, it it does not invite your speculation into the human cost of everything that Automan is doing Ab- absolutely um, I mean, that wraps up that episode. I mean, I don't know if does anyone have any like other like final notes or bigger thoughts they want to get into? Yeah, I mean, so my lingering thing with this, and maybe it's explained by the fact that it's a show that's intended for younger audiences, but Auto Man never faces any real adversity of any kind. 
right? There's always the lingering, well, he could run out of power at any time. But in each of these episodes, they've been like, well, casinos have their own power source. So, you know, we're, we're good. This one, I don't think it really talks about, you know, it's during the day at Absolutely. this wedding and Automan is still there and has no problem whatsoever, even though everybody's using their hair dryers and, and whatnot. So, yeah, it's he's effectively immortal, practically invincible. And it makes it less interesting because he doesn't really face any adversity of any kind. I, I noticed in this episode particularly they kept trying to slot in some stakes or something to like put some pressure yeah. on them. I think midway through the episode when he's like buying up all the criminal organizations, I think Roxanne finds out and she's just like, I don't like it, but I'll give you 48 hours to finish it up. Mm-hmm. So suddenly you have like a ticking clock of 48 hours, but you don't know how much time passes from yeah. time to time. And that's for Walter, not for Auto Man. But I think that is why the episodes, at least these two, become so complicated because you need to kind of spin your wheels a little bit and create they're just content needs to happen while uh, just to keep the episode going because really at any time auto man should just be able to show up somewhere and blow everyone with lasers and like case closed but they can't do that so yeah they have to make oh and then this happens and this happens we have to raise the stakes a little bit more but every time they raise the stakes it gets a little more complicated and Mm -hmm. makes a little bit less sense because you know you're just getting to that incredible hulk moment at the end where he's going to shoot someone with a laser or he's going to fly a helicopter or he's going to do something like that and so it just makes it for i think one of you mentioned sort of an uneven show where you're like Mm -hmm. are we just waiting for the end of the episode And and i think the answer is yes yes we are yeah yeah i think the comparison with the incredible hulk is incredibly apt because that's, you know, that's where you you put your special effects budget. That's you kind of have the climactic moments at, at certain times where you have Automan show up. And this mm-hmm. this episode was a little different because he was kind of there the whole time. And I guess episode two was uh, as well. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're not doing exactly that. But he does kind of have his big showy moment at a point in the episode and then disappears a la David Banner. Very, very much. They do love to have him just gone at the end of the episode. It's just He just vanishes into thin air every time. Yep. Well, guys, let's let's get to rating these then. Um, so we'll, we'll start with the first episode, staying alive while running a high flash dance fever. Seth, usually we do these out of kind of 10 stars. It's like the IMDb right. rating system. Um, it's up to you. You can compare it to Citizen Kane or you can treat it as like, how much did you just enjoy the uh, hour of your time you spent? <laughs> right. Well, for me, it's an immediate five points right off the top. Uh, deducted because of the dance scene. Um, <laughs> Whoa, but, that's a lot of points. <laughs> but then it's an additional one point added for the title of the episode because it is fantastic. That's true. So, so I land on a six. Very good. I like I like this rating system. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't hate the show. I dislike elements of it, and some of it's very yep. jarring to me. I, I don't think this one was like my fa- like you're right the dancing I was not that interested in it was kind of fun to watch him do a choreographed dance but it felt more fun for the actor maybe than the actual like audience perhaps <laughs> and like I they almost like, there's this weird thing where they're almost understanding network computers and like it's almost they're like there's like this piece that's almost authentic for like computer work which for some reason right. really tickles me like I like watching them have to talk about like we have to talk to the network computer here to figure something out even though it's still like completely fabulous and not real oh yeah I, but it's still like I'm down the middle for me I'm gonna give it a five I think I'm coming pretty much right in between you guys I think it's it's a sort of easy breezy show where if you sort of just take it for what it's worth mm-hmm. it's you know it, it's not trying to be smart it's not trying it's just trying to be a fun kind of 45 minutes and in a lot of ways it kind of achieves that but in also 
I feel what takes away from it is just like we mentioned, it gets so complicated and so bogged down in all these weird twists and turns that aren't really needed. Like it's just like just make it fun, just have them zip around a little bit. So I'm gonna give them a five and a half. Nice. Wow, that's that is right. Really come in into what that is, eh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Then there's the pretender. Auto Man goes undercover as Mr. Otto. Seth, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I enjoyed episode three quite a bit more than episode two. I, I felt like the Mr. Otto persona was kind of interesting. It still was, like you said, Jordan, still convoluted and kind of hard to follow. The whole wedding backdrop, like I, I was thinking about that and I'm like, why did we even have this in there? Why, why, does that, why is that subplot? Um, on the other hand, the confrontation at the wedding with, with the, the bills going all over the place and the helicopter and the, you know, the forest lightning, I, I really enjoyed the episode. And, uh, and so this one, I'm going to say seven. I agree with you. It, it, it's so complicated, overly complicated, so much extraneous things that don't need to exist. But it's what makes the epi- this episode kind of fun is like I liked watching Otto Man just go to different criminal organizations and talk somebody into selling to him for no reason. I, right. When they introduced the bad guy, he's just like, I'm getting married. I was like, sure. OK, what's going on here? This countdown to your wedding. All right. It, there was something completely out of control about this episode that like it doesn't make any sense, but at least it was fun because of it. And like this was the yeah. most fun I thought. Auto Man was like I liked just watching him just chew up a scene. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm also I'm gonna go I'm gonna go seven as well. I think I did admire though the fact that like this is the first time we've ever had Auto Man interact with the police while driving, and of course it was fake cops. <laughs> <laughs> Get pulled over. What about you, Jordan? Uh, I'm gonna give this one uh, a six to begin with, but I have to take off. 0.5 for that Brando impersonation, so 5.5. Oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, that's generous, I have to say. I'm not taking off five points like you did for that dance sequence. Just 0.5. Okay. It was just enough to go, <laughs> you know what? No. Very reasonable. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up for uh, episodes two and three of Auto Man. I, what an interesting show. I never quite know what to expect yep. now when I tune in everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Luke, you had reached out to me uh, over... DM on Twitter and it's like, hey, we're going to be doing Auto Man episodes. Do you want to, do you want to come on? And I was like, oh hell yes, um, because th- this is just a show that I have very fond memories of, even though I have very few specific memories of it. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. That that was the nostalgia wave worth it. It was it was all right. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if if you ever do Manimal, you, you got to have me back. I I love that show. Absolutely, and absolutely. It's, it's craptacular. So we'll find the one where the uh, taxi explodes. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> well, Seth, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, listener, if uh, you like this show, I think you're probably going to like Seth's shows. He does a Hugo podcast where he rereads all the uh, Hugo winners. Uh, it's called Hugo's There. Great name, by the way. Thank you. And I think even more so, I believe Take Me to Your Reader is probably right up a listener of this show's alley. Uh, correct me if I'm getting this the, the premise wrong. This is my understanding. Is okay. you watch the movie and the sci-fi book it's based on, and you kind of see where they meet in the middle? Yep, pretty much. Uh, I mean, it's not always a book. Sometimes short stories, sometimes novella. Right. Um, I'm trying to get the guys to do 12 Monkeys, which was based on a short film. Oh, really? And, and you know, it's still an adaptation. It's just not from the written side. So, so you're, you've really expanded to adaptations in general. That's what I'm, I'm trying to convince them. It hasn't worked yet. We've been doing it seven years, and I, I haven't, uh, haven't gotten them to do it. Co-host Troubles. You know that, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
I, I am the trouble, though. I'm more of the trouble than you are, Luke. <laughs> I thought you were going to launch into a Walter White thing there. I am the danger. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, a listener, I think you should check out Seth's podcast. If you don't already listen, I think they are right up your alley because you're listening to this and uh, his his stuff is a much better version of this. So you would very much like it. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, but but Luke, you have been a guest. I, I got to get Jordan at some point. Anytime. Jo- Jordan loves to read. Does Jordan love to read? I do. I'd rather be doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, I guess we will wrap up the podcast. Listener, if you have any thoughts on Automan, you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And, of course, on Instagram and Twitter, we're going to have some uh, little clips we pull from Automan, some dancing for sure. Definitely. Some zapping. Zapping. Helicopters. It's got it all. Cleavage. <laughs> oh, I don't know we'll put the cleavage up. Well, I guess we'll see Jordan, what Jordan pulls. I pulled it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and they, if I haven't said the handle on those platforms, is that continue, Greg? But uh, that wraps it up, you guys. So, uh, listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And, Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes. 